vegan and plant-based business owners and entrepreneurs were often adapting to a new reality. This new podcast series from Vegan Mainstream is an opportunity to help you when it's time to pivot. These interviews will come from inside and outside of our community, and I hope as your host, Stephanie Redcross West, I can inspire you and give you the tools that you need to move forward. Hello, everyone, and welcome to our podcast, our live broadcast, and our opportunity to dive into conversations with fellow vegan business owners. Today, I have my guest, Louisa, from Every Vegan Recipe. I just love that name. I love that idea that you can go to like one place to get you know, just tons of recipes. And I'm excited today for us to spend some time not only talking about this business that Louisa is building, but also talking about the entrepreneurial life. For many of us, not only is it topsy-turvy, not only have many of us learned a lot along the way, I think it's going to be great to have a discussion to kind of talk about what it's like to kind of build a business from the ground up and also maybe share with you some of the insights, maybe even motivation that Lisa has for many of you out there who are just starting as well. And also maybe a good walk down memory lane for some of you who've maybe been in business for a while and you remember those beginning days. You remember when you first started, you remember when you were juggling a full-time job and running a business or running a part-time job and running a business. I think these are things that many of us as vegans do as we start to create our space in this vegan professional world. And today, I think it's going to be a great opportunity for us to kind of talk about it in today's current environment, to talk about what it's like to do it. So welcome. Thank you so much for for joining me today. Thank you so much for having me, Stephanie. So let's lay the groundwork. Let's give everyone a little bit of a sense of you know, what is every vegan recipe and why and how you came up with that name. And also let's give everyone a sense of where you are in the business process, where you, and you know, what was kind of the timeline on your business. Well, thank you so much for the compliment on the name itself. So every vegan recipe is a publisher and a social platform where we publish recipes and also users can publish and share their recipes. We're trying to create a new way of looking at recipe publishing and cooking shows in general where it's just plant-based recipes. It's all vegan for everyone in the space to comfortably find things that they're interested in cooking. Categorized in over 100 different categories. So if you're a raw vegan or you're interested in cuisines from certain regions of the world or what have you, we have it, including whole food, dietary sort of things, gluten-free etc. We're trying to create a space that's good for users. So it's very UX focused. It's something hopefully people would actually want to use and keep using versus just being a place to sell advertising. It's a platform made for the user. That's wonderful. Um, On top of that, a platform where recipe creators would like to be involved in. So there'll be places for them to sell cookbooks or receive tips and critiques, reviews, Q&As, all this sort of thing. So really trying to create a new space for recipes in general. And it just so happens to be all vegan. Love it. 
Yeah. And my motivation for the name is that I really just want one central place where people, especially new people looking to, you know, what do I cook tonight? I have no idea. I want to transition. I just need a meatless Monday recipe, something like that. They have a site that people could say, hey, you should try every vegan recipe. They have a lot of stuff there. And hopefully one thing leads to another and their transition or their journey or their lifelong choice to be vegan or try vegan food is easier on them. That's a little bit about it. (laughs) No, that sounds great. Because I think the challenge is there's so many different recipes in so many different places. And Mm -hmm. for many people, you know, recipes can kind of turn into the database. And, you know, when you think of the database, it's not always as user-friendly. It's not necessarily designed for the user. Often it's designed to get as much data and information in there. You know, it feels more of a technical tool that we all use and sometimes push through that I think it's amazing that you're not only focused on getting these recipes out to the community and helping people, but doing it in a way that's very user-centric. I mean, I was on your website and it is beautiful. I love the way you laid it out. You know, I love you have this like one pot that's like the red sauce is like bubbling up. (laughs) It looks like I just want to dip a spoon in it and grab it. (laughs) So I really like that perspective and that approach that you're taking because I think for many people who start their businesses, they think about the need, but they don't always think about how important it is to make sure that the customer experience is exceptional. Agreed. Yeah. And so we're in planning and development stages. We've been releasing weekly recipes to, you know, kind of give a taste of what's to come. We published over 70 of these weekly recipes as just previews. And we're probably looking at a year or so out before launch. Uh, we do have a wait list. If you go to the website, which is everyveganrecipe.com, you can join the wait list. You will be first in line before the public to use it. Nice. And I love that you're sending out those weekly recipes because that's, you know, a way to kind of bring the community together around the brand, you know, while you're building it. I think for a lot of people, when they think about starting a business, when they think about launching a business, and I think this is even the case for people who've been in business before, because if you've been in business for a while, you always have a new product launch that sometimes we forget how important it is to plan out a launch, how important it is to not just rush to that finish line and say, you know, it's ready and I'll fix all the other stuff later. (laughs) (laughs) So talk to me about how you, you know, found kind of your timeline and how you found the, I'm going to call it the patience to launch your project the way you want. I'm I'm assuming a little bit here, even though I don't know the answer to this, um, only because it's so remarkable that I just heard from you that you're going to take your time and you have almost a year planned out. Um, Most people that I talk to who are starting businesses or doing launches, you know, it's next week, it's next month, you know, with a Band-Aid and a, you know, bandage wrapped all the way around their business. Yeah. In my case, it's a lot of variables tied in together. So first off, I work full time. I have a full time job. So I can only put in so many hours a week on every vegan recipe. Unfortunately, I wish it was a full time endeavor. So that lengthens the timeline. Also, I do believe it is important to plan to market the launch and also to have an audience ready for launch. And I got advice from a lot of other entrepreneurs I respect and have got mentorship from for a while. And they said the same thing. You know, I think the adage of you build it and they will come is no longer applicable because the space 
in the world, on the internet, it is full of opportunities and noise. So you could build something and no one will be there. So I could build it quicker and no one will know it's live. And then I'm spending as much time doing marketing to promote it. In this way, with a longer timeline, it's really great. I get to focus on quality. I get to focus on feedback as well. And so in this cycle of uh, a feedback loop, I've been able to iterate the design and features, also the messaging itself, so I can get everything more fine-tuned and um, hopefully be able to better communicate what we're all about anyway before it even launches. So I'm quite comfortable with the timeline. I wish it was tomorrow as well, but to be honest, it's just not going to be good quality work. And um, I've been in web design, development, advertising, data analysis for over 20 years. Uh, I've been active since the beginning of the internet for, for the most part. And I've I've looked at so much data, so many websites, you know, I've worked for different types of organizations, e-commerce, nonprofit, publishers, advertisers. Nothing goes well that's done quickly and shortcuts anything. And with this platform, content will be king again. We're not focusing on advertising. It's a subscription service. So if people want to support it, they can. In this case, that means we have to really deliver a quality product that they will want to keep using. Um, so it actually adds a lot more pressure, but I think the timeline is good for all of those variables. Absolutely. And I love that you walked us through that because for a lot of people, it's hard to make those tough decisions. It's hard to you know, build and, and realize the value of building that audience, building that community, even building, you know, even a mini customer base around your product before you go for that full launch. Yeah. Because it definitely feels like, you know, fastest to market. You know, you hear stories where people are like, if I can just get it out there, like you said, they will come. And that's really changed in the marketplace. It is so noisy out there these days that a quality product is not just important, but I really think it's needed as we elevate veganism, as we start to really get more and more of the world to see it as a lifestyle choice that they're going to expect the same quality that they're looking at in their other apps or their other websites or their other tools or their other subscriptions. And as they do those comparisons, we not only want to be the best, but, you know, really be the top. So I'm really excited to hear hear that you're taking that route. You know, and another thing about that as well is that in in this space with vegan recipes, there have been a lot of other people to market with different types of platforms and apps, but it's not really the same product and it's not ever near encompassing as feature rich. So I don't have that competitor who's also looking to launch yesterday. So, and I feel quite confident that no one's going to pop up either because the whole reason why I'm launching this and I'm doing it is out of one part love and also another part frustration. When I was transitioning, which six, seven years ago, it was incredibly hard to find any information of what's a meal now? Like, what do I do? <laughs> I knew nothing. And everyone online just says, take the time to research. And it's like, okay, well, I'm six, seven years into it and I still don't know everything. Yeah. I mean, that's, it's incredible. There's not, a, there's not a singular place with quality content to just say, 
here's a lot of recipes and you can ask anything you want. And, you know, you don't need to take hours to find out how to cut up a star fruit. You know, <laughs> it's just, here's a video for that. <laughs> Absolutely. So instead of juggling between Google searches and YouTube and all this, all these things, you know, there's actually just a resource. And what people have to understand with the internet, which I think I bring into this, that history is that these popular websites have either existed for a decade or more, or they use an extremely large amount of revenue to be at the top of the list. So when we're talking about uh, equal opportunity to be found as a recipe creator too, that doesn't exist. So we have, I've seen a lot of really great recipe creators popping up and they don't have a platform to publish to. They're trying, but they can also be seen. So there's all this diversity in cuisine, no one's seeing. It's a shame to me. Yeah. And I'm really glad you brought that up because it is so important that the variety is out there. It's so important that other individuals who are creating recipes, that they can get that visibility. And also it's so important because as we try to ensure that veganism is open to everyone, the only way you can do that is to make sure that all cultures feel represented in the recipes, in the options, in even sometimes the variations and even the ingredients that are used because in different parts of the world, in different cultures, different ingredients are used in a dish that's considered common in this culture versus in that culture, it may not be considered as common. So I'm very happy to hear you say that. And I also love that you're you know, you're calling it a production platform, a publishing platform, excuse me. So I'm hearing from you that this is also going to be a place that if someone has their own recipes, they would come to you to publish it. Is that correct? So therefore, you would potentially be their avenue to get that visibility and also that avenue for people to even give them feedback on their recipes and so forth. Is that fair or am I taking a mm -hmm. big leap? Yeah, think Epicurious meets allrecipes.com and Instagram all together. So whatever's your flavor, it's there. So if you just love searching through inspired content, just visually, if you get hungry by visuals like Instagram, you'll have that. We'll have a feed and it'll be organized by newest, not by an algorithm uh, in that sense. If you want to share recipes like on allrecipes.com, please do so. In fact, right now we ask for anyone who wants to submit recipes to do it. We have an instant on the website. If you scroll down a little bit, there's a submit recipe button. Um, you can also reach out to us. Um, we have, a, you know, several people who just say, I want to share my whole catalog with you. And in this wow. case too, for recipe creators who would like to spend time on other things, like if this is just their part-time work or, you know, they just like sharing recipes just for the sake of sharing it, which is a lot of people you know, they can rely on us to be the website platform that they use. They don't have to build their own website to share recipes anymore. So it'll save a lot of people a lot of time. Yeah, I, I agree with that. Yeah, because building a website and just all the pieces that come with running a business for some people is yeah. a heavy lift. And to your point, if it's not something you're doing full time, if it's just something that you're enjoying getting started, Maybe it's a little bit of a holiday, uh, holiday, a little bit of a hobby <laughs> in the beginning. The idea is that you might be looking for someone to help you get this information out as opposed to you building it yourself. So I think it mm -hmm. sounds like you're 
going to really be an amazing resource for not just the community that's looking for recipes, but individuals that are publishing it. And I think it's always great when you kind of have those two customer bases that you can serve. So I had a question about the subscription model and a couple of okay. reasons I have that is I'm doing a lot of work, even in my own business, where I'm starting to get more and more of my clients to start considering this model because it has not only a nice, sustainable ability for businesses to grow, um, it's also a great way to not only earn that business and continue to earn that business from customers, but it's also a little bit different than what a lot of people are used to. A lot of people are thinking of that one-in-time purchase. A lot of times people are like, you know, I just want to sell a cookbook. You know, I'm just going to mm-hmm. sell my ebook. And I think mm-hmm. thinking about a business from a subscription or membership service or something like that is such a great way for people to expand their businesses, especially in this environment. So I don't know if you have any advice or recommendations or anything you've learned along the way in starting to build that subscription-based business that you'd like to share with our audience. I think it depends on your industry and what you plan on offering and also if the audience you're catering to wishes to have ownership of those things. So for example, if we talk about Spotify versus Bandcamp, Spotify is a subscription-based model where you just pay per month and you get to listen to any music in their whole catalog. That's great. And that works for a lot of people. Some people would like to own the music that they purchase. I don't know if you ever know some Spotify, but... Um, music gets discontinued in catalogs and they don't have the rights to have them in the model anymore. Mm -hmm. So, and also Spotify gets to choose what they publish or not. And so some things are censored or removed or canceled, whatever. (laughs) So a lot of people are moving on back to ownership. They want to own vinyls. They want to own CDs. They want to own the MP3. They want to burn it if they want. And so a lot of people are moving to Bandcamp and in a similar, they don't have a subscription and you pay direct And they just take a little bit of revenue off the direct payment to the artists. And the difference between the people who actually create the content, the artists themselves, on Spotify, you can have millions of listens and you get pennies. It's terrible for the artists. On Bandcamp, they get the money directly. And because the users know that they get the money directly, they might be more inclined also to give more than just a subscription amount. So it really depends on your audience. You know, if it's a printed cookbook, they might not want to pay for the cookbook and the subscription. And so those things kind of, you know, because then why are they doing one or the, you know, it just, it's too much. But I would say for subscription-based models, you have to make it worth it for them. So I always go back to e-commerce conversion in this way. Like you have to, you have to lock down features that they can't get to, or you have to entice them with this mysterious thing that they might get. So uh, I don't really have a great example for that, except maybe in journalism today. There's a lot of things people can't say, but mm-hmm. some journalists have their own paywalls now, and they can say anything they want to behind those paywalls. And so a lot of people are subscribing to those long-form content conversations where they can just speak their mind freely. Um, and that's going very successfully nowadays, actually. It's really becoming popular. So. You know, like the New York Times kind of just has a huge paywall. You can't even read the article. I think that's a little too much because then people don't understand the quality that they're paying paying for. They need some examples. They need some something there before they can say, oh, okay, this is this is why I'm 
I want it. With every vegan recipe, we're going to have a lot of features that you can only access if you're a subscriber. But I'm a huge proponent of free flow of information. So I'd like the recipes free to access. And so in this way, if you want to post or share or just do any interactivity, then that's where the subscription kicks in. Nice. I like that. Yeah. And I think that's been one of the challenges, even as I've been advising clients and even as we're exploring it ourselves, that is the key. Like what should be behind that paywall and what should still be accessible and free? Because we still want to support the community. We still want to help people. We want people to be able to come into a welcoming place and not feel like, you know, before you can peek around the corner, you know, pull out your credit card. But I do think it's so interesting, um, a lot of these models, and even like the example you said of, you know, having kind of extended content, we're even playing around with things like, do we do a paid podcast, you know, that's more like a training type of environment so that people can listen to it in an audio format and really starting to see if, if there's opportunity there. And I think one thing I always teach people is sometimes you have to test your way there. You have to see if that works for your audience. And sometimes the first idea isn't the best. Sometimes it's idea three or four (laughs) that wins the race. But I do think it's so interesting to start exploring some of these models because it really starts to build, I think, a strong community feel around a brand as opposed to, you know, a one and done kind of relationship. Yeah, I agree. And I've seen a lot of cases where people will ask their audience questions like, hey, if we do this app, would you pay for it or, or things like that? And I tend to feel like if anyone's really hostile to the idea, they weren't your tribe anyway. And so now you know not to worry about them. But otherwise, if people just have negative feedback, they'll just give you the negative feedback, but they still would like to be in your tribe. And then there's others who might agree with the idea entirely. So I, I love testing the waters and honestly testing the waters. <laughs> and also once you survey versus actually launching, you know, you'll lose some numbers as well. So there's nothing like actually launching and seeing what happens. And it's unfortunate to have to spend time to do that, but I think that's the only way to do it. Yeah. And I think it builds a better, stronger business. I think it builds a business that shows that there's a little bit of you know, we come from behind the curtain when we build. The idea is that we really sit down, we ask for feedback, we incorporate that feedback. Because I know a lot of people yeah. take surveys and they're just like, oh, that's great. And then they put it to the side. Um, but the idea is the more you can, I think, especially this day and age where people are really buying the experience often, they're not just buying the content or the item. They're also buying, you know, how easy it is to buy on the website, how easy it is if you do have an issue and you need to talk to customer service, you know, mm-hmm. how easy it is to navigate the site. People are really paying for a lot of these things that in the past weren't seen as maybe a requirement. Where now I think a lot of the ways we're judging and looking at brands really thinks of that entire experience, not just is this one product the same. Because even in the example you gave with music, you know, technically you could see the product is similar. It's a similar music, but the way they're able to consume it, the way they're able to use it. And in the maybe case of Bandcamp, it aligns with how they want to use the music. So therefore that becomes the brand of choice. And I think it's really interesting when you're peeling back the layers of running a business and you start to think about how people are going to use your product or service may also dictate if they're going to choose your brand. 
Yeah, absolutely. And I love the idea of video online courses. That's what it sounds like you might be dabbling into. I think that's very successful. Anything long form nowadays, because um, yes, as, as a culture, as internet users, our expectations keep growing. Our um, need for quality keeps growing. And I always say that the customer experience, whether it's a customer or user, doesn't start with the website or the product. It starts all the way back in marketing. It starts it, it ends in customer service if they have an issue. It's the entire way. Any touch point is related to the brand. So yes, we need higher quality and all of that, which puts pressure on a lot of us who are just starting and don't have resources and whatnot. But I just say, just think through all the scenarios where someone might communicate with you or see something that's related to your brand. Any any touch point matters. Yeah. And I like what you're doing because I love the idea of building wish lists. Wish list. <laughs> today is just my weird word day today. <laughs> People signing up for a waiting list because you also have a community to bounce ideas off of. You can even talk to them about, you know, UI. You can actually say, okay, we're looking at this format versus that format. Because I think a lot of times when people build businesses, they think they have to come up with the best idea themselves and then launch it. And when there's so many decisions to make, even down to colors and branding and mm -hmm. look and feel and tones and things like that, when you think about getting your brand out there, that I really tell people it's so important to spend time with your customers, spend time with your potential customers and make sure that you're creating this two-way street early in your business, or if you missed it, build it now yeah. because when you start to build that two-way street, you know, you may not be doing like full-fledged focus groups that, you know, large corporations do and the expense of it, but even getting five, 10 potential customers on a call, even giving people choices, A, B, or C, choose between them can really help you shape a business and a brand, especially if you have the right pool of people you're in front of. Mm-hmm. It has to be your consumer. That's the most important thing. Someone you would actually consider would pay for those product or service you're offering, not just be interested in it. So yeah, there's a good balance between what you feel is best, what you know they would be interested in, which is sort of like how I feel what Apple products did back in the day. They knew what people wanted and they wanted this really great experience and it just works type motto, right? Yes. So there's a good balance between that where you have an eagle eye view of the industry or the product or service. And so you, you know a little bit better maybe on what they really want and they just don't know how to communicate that versus wisdom of the crowds, which I think is really great. I mean, today too, we don't have to get people in a focus group in person anymore. Thank goodness for, for mediums like this. This is mm -hmm. just our time that we're using. Um, surveys are free. You can send out a survey to your list. Polls on so your social media. I mean, it's great too to have different buckets of social media sites because you know that there's a different type of user set in each one. So if you send out a poll or survey in each one, you'll find different averages in all those answers as well. So that's really interesting to me because then I could say, okay, well, this user set uses things like this and this one wants this. And do I serve them all or no? You know, so I, it leads to more questions. Absolutely. Absolutely. And it leads to more testing. It leads to a more kind of iterative approach to building that, um, at least for me, I think is such an exciting 
way to build a business. It can really be uh, a fun way to to walk that line. And I don't mean everything is has to be surveyed. I don't mean everything is, you know, I can't move forward unless I've gotten this feedback or yeah. unless everyone agrees because um, that's not, not, not what it's just never going to happen. <laughs> but the guidance, you know, when you're trying to make some decisions and it's very close or you're finding gray areas between decisions, I think a lot of times your audience can really help make sure that you, you know, move out of those gray areas and hit the target more accurately. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, as we're wrapping up today's session, I guess there's a couple of things I just wanted to maybe have you tell our audience about. Number one, maybe give them a sense of what your average day is like. The reason I want to bring that up is because for many people, when they think about running a business, especially when they're running a business and working part-time or running a business and working full-time, they're just not sure how to get that right balance. You know, how do we ensure that like the full-time job isn't fighting with the business that you're building and it becomes this tug of war. And then my second question is going to be more about any recommendations or motivation, but we can maybe address that after you answer the first one. Yeah, I say first and foremost, know yourself, know what you want in your day, what you want in your life. So that to me should trump anything else you're doing. And if your life's not good, the things you're going to produce are going to be rotten fruits. So you really need to focus on you. Make sure you're okay. So what I do, and I don't recommend you know this to anybody, but I wake up at 4 a.m. I meditate, read, and make breakfast before I start my day. And then I work. I'm not sure what time that usually is. It just depends on my reading. But I start working maybe by 7 a.m. And I do a little bit every vegan recipe work. And then I switch to my full-time job. During my lunch break, I usually spend it on my physical health, so I'll work out. So even on my lunch break, I'm not taking the hour necessarily to wind down. I'm actually using the hour to physically exert myself. <laughs> but my, my physical health is really important to me. So I do take the time to cook three meals a day and work out and make sure my mental state is, is really nice. I had health issues way back, so I, I really need to focus on that for me. So then I get back, I make lunch uh, while I'm working and I work until whenever it's okay for me to leave, basically. So then it's evening time, make dinner, and then I'm back on the computer working on every vegan recipe. And when it comes to weekends, I'm usually also working on the business, but I try and leave at least a day a month where I get to do fun things, just trying to enjoy life a little bit. Yeah, I think it's so important that we enjoy life a little bit because all of the hard work has to be worth it. Mm-hmm. All of the hard work has to allow us to enjoy it, even though many of us enjoy what yes. we do, <laughs> you know, or we're building businesses so we can enjoy what we what we want to do. But I do think it's so important to have that good balance because we need to refuel. We need to, you know, really, you know, make sure that we're strong for our businesses because the strength comes from being strong people, not people that are kind of worn yeah. down. Um, like batteries in a sense. So any other advice, especially for anyone who's trying to start a business now? These days you read the headlines in the newspaper, you hear the headlines on TV, even that pop up on our alerts on our phones, everything sounds uncertain and scary. (laughs) Should you do it? And maybe I should wait and, and so forth. And I'm just wondering if you have any recommendations, or even if you just want to share how you've pushed through some of those headlines, because I think 
they've made some people feel like they should sit on the sidelines and wait until things are better? Mm, it's a hard question to answer. I think it's important not to allow your emotions to take the better of you when you read really uncertain things, not to react instantly, to wait or research more on that topic first off. I think that's really important because media today is is super negative. They, I mean, just the history of media in general changed from being journalism to writing clickbait. And it's just made for advertising revenue. So be careful that you have control over your emotions and your mind and, and the things that you're putting in there. So you know what, if you're addicted to a site that, you know, you're reading news or whatever, and it's not serving you, just stop doing it, you know, or platforms, social media stuff, just stop if it's not serving you. You have to make sure your mental health is really good and stable and happy. Second to that, yeah, there's a, there's a lot of crazy things happening. And I think there is no right time. I mean, if you didn't do it five years ago or you didn't do it 10 years ago or like you're always going to be waiting, there will always be a reason why you shouldn't. So I say try and get a good grasp on all the variables in your life and do what you can to start and it won't ever be perfect. I would say, you know, for people or businesses that actually had like a perfect timeline where they had an idea and then they got an investment and they had like lots of money and then they're really great. They lack that time to think about things. And so there's also something missing there. Our best success stories come from businesses who really were long and standing in history and, and they did a lot of things and a lot of iterations and a lot of struggles. Uh, so it's hard to realize too that a lot of these success stories that we see and we want to emulate are not actually real. They're just what they're portraying. And that's part of marketing in general. No offense to them, they're doing it right. But that's just marketing. You don't know what happened in their life. You don't know if that business is successful. <laughs> I mean, I can't tell you any commerce and meetings where someone's like, well, they're, they're doing it like this. And I say, you have no access to their analytics and data. You have no idea if they're successful in what they're doing. All you know is your data and we can look at them as an example. We can test to see if we want to emulate that example, but don't make assumptions. So I think in general, just to make assumptions about news or anything like that. If you want to start, look at your situation and start however you can, because it won't ever be a perfect situation. And I'm um, a good example in that way. I didn't have a perfect situation. I'm just making it happen. And it takes time to have momentum, but once you have the momentum, amazing things start to happen and people come to you if it's good and you're being successful at what you're doing. And you just have to be comfortable with the timeline or the struggle itself. But I would say don't wait. Love it. Thank you so much for that advice. Thank you so much for sharing a little bit of your journey. And also, I just can't wait to hear more and more about your launch. I'm obviously going to be signing up so I can <laughs> check out those not only recipes, but also the experience. I just love the journey, not just as a consumer and a vegan myself, but as a business owner and a person who just loves the concept and the idea of what it's like to build businesses. Um, it's just really exciting to see how others are doing it. And also just excited that we had a chance today to talk that hopefully maybe we made a couple more people aware of all the great things that you're doing. But also we just want to make sure that we support you in what you're doing because it's really exciting what you're building. And I love how you're doing it as well. So thank you so much for joining us today. 
Thank you so much. Thank you for those compliments. And I, I enjoy speaking with you again. I hope to have this again. <laughs> Perfect. And thank you everyone who joined us live. I really love it when you come in live. It's so great when you say hello um, and drop me a note. So it is just wonderful to see everyone there. But what I also want to do is say hello to my folks that might be listening to this as a podcast or you might be listening to this as a replay. It's wonderful to see you as well. Feel free to post in the comments any questions you have. I posted the link in there to every vegan recipe so everyone can go over and actually start signing up. And I look forward to seeing everyone in our next live show or hearing and connecting with you on our podcast. Take care, everyone. 